Well, it gives me a great, great joy to welcome once again Pastor Glenn and Lynn. And uh, you both come up. I don't know if you both want to come up at the beginning and just say a couple of words. Then we'll hand over to Pastor Glenn. Can put your hands together today in the house. We had a great Wednesday night with this couple. Thank you, Lenny. Awesome. Well, it's so great to be with you all today. I know that, sorry that you all, that's, that's Texan, sorry. We're from Texas, or we're living in Texas, originally from Canada, but it's an honor to be here. Thank you, Pastors Mark and Michelle for having us and treating us so well. They've been amazing, and uh, uh, the basket they had in the room had so many snacks. I probably gained five pounds, <laughs> but thank you. Two in, kilos. Yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry. 2.5. Sure, sure. Well, it's an honor. Are you ready to receive from the Lord today? Come on, God is here and He is ready to touch your life today. Come on, doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter what you're going through. God has something for each and every one of you, regardless if you're a dad or not. God has something for you. So just open your heart because the times of refreshing come from the presence of the Lord, amen. God is in this place and I believe you are going to be refreshed today. Day. Come on, just open your heart. Forget about what's going on at home. Forget about what's going on at the workplace, what you're going through, because God has a special place and a time for you today to receive from Him. Are you ready to receive? God is going to do something amazing in this place. Bless you. Thank you, man. Awesome. Amen. Hallelujah. It's so an honor to be here for sure. On Wednesday night, we had the privilege to be able to just share some things and to those who are serving in the all-in night. It was a great pleasure and the Lord showed up and he, he ministered to people. His presence was there and, you know, I had no idea, but afterward, Pastor Mark told me, said that uh, he's been ministering on the topic of honor. And I shared from the passage where Jesus went to his hometown to Nazareth and he was not able to do any mighty works there because of what familiarity and we have that expression right familiarity breeds contempt and so I, I just was thinking about that right now and how when we come before the Lord when we gather so often we just come expecting the same old we come expecting well today is going to be a good day but we don't expect the extraordinary and I believe that the Lord just wanted me to drop that into your spirit as something that he wants us to expect that today is not just an ordinary day. Today is not just a time for just things being in business as usual. And I know, especially on Father's Day, it's so often we can go, well, today's Father's Day. Here's what happens on Father's Day. And we have our, our expectations. But I want to just say, I really believe the Lord wants to speak to us today. And, and I believe that when he speaks, he wants to release something that will bring alignment into our lives. You know, when the Bible talks about in, in Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, he gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, mentions equipping the saints. That word equipping, it literally speaks of bringing into alignment. And I don't know if you realize that it was used as a bone that would have been 
severed, a bone that had been fractured and how it would be fused back together again. And you know, when things are in alignment, there's just a function and there's a flow. I mean, if, you, if your spine is out of alignment, you know, that affects you in so many different ways. And, but when you come into alignment, then what happens is health is restored. And I really believe that's what the Lord is wanting to do in his church in this season. COVID-19, do you remember that? Somebody, yeah, I mean, it seems like, think about that COVID-19 in history. This is, it's crazy, absolutely crazy. And yet I really believe that through all that we, we went through, you know, we were, we were in Melbourne last week ministering at a conference there in an amazing church. God was moving the most locked down city in the world, Melbourne, Australia. And, you know, as Lynn mentioned, we're originally from Canada. We were in Canada for part of COVID-19, very, very severe, very strict. And we just said, we got to get out of here. We had the option to live in different countries. And so we said, we're going to Texas. It's the land of freedom. It's the land of barbecue, right? It's the land everything is big and lots of guns. So <laughs> we won't talk about that, but it's just a fact. And, uh, you know, when we were there, we were just like, oh, Lord, so many people that we personally know, pastors around the world died during COVID. And uh, it's, it's just a crazy, crazy season. But God says in his word that he can redeem what the enemy meant for evil and turn it around for good. And I'm certainly not trying to, to be disrespectful for what people have suffered and went through because it's been very difficult for many people but I really believe that we have to have that heart that posture where we say Lord what is it that you're trying to teach us what is it that we can learn the takeaway so to speak from this terrible thing that has happened around the world and one thing I know for a fact is that we over valued we really took for granted this thing called church where we gather together you know the statistics have 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 been very interesting over the past few years prior to covid in terms of people no longer attending church regularly and god is the god of the gathering he is the god that calls us together he wants us to be part of a family we need one another. There's over 40 times in the New Testament where those words are used, one another. And that unfortunately just doesn't work optimally when we're disconnected or, or even when we're doing things virtually. You know, the definition of virtual, one dictionary says something that appears real, but it's not. And ultimately, that's true. I mean, it's a substitute, it works, but this whole thing about coming together to worship the Lord, to receive ministry is so important, saints of God, so important. And God wants to do a deep work in his church in this season, because I believe the greatest outpouring of the Holy Spirit this world has ever seen is just before us. I really believe that. And we've been coming, you know, we, we used to live in Australia. We lived in Perth for a few years. And I can tell you, we were pastoring a church Things are very different this time. We've come here. The enemy didn't want us in here. I'll tell you, we, 
That's a crazy story. But we, I could not get my visa approved. And the Lord spoke to us prophetically from people all over the world, spoke to us personally. And he said, go to the airport. We had booked our flights. And when you're in the airport, you're gonna get your visa. True story. So on the 22nd of August, we rock up in the Dallas-Fort Worth International Airport. Lynn's got her visa. I don't have mine. About three hours, two and a half hours before our flight is scheduled to take off. And while we're in the airport, God gives me my visa. I mean, an email comes in, okay? We've been waiting, I think it was 45 days. Every day praying, every day waiting, and boom, it comes in and we get here. And we are seeing such an amazing move of God. When we're finished here, we are into Perth and we back over to, to Queensland. We'll be in um, Brisbane and, and Sunshine Coast. And it's just amazing what God is doing. It's something is happening in Australia. And as an outsider, we can see it. And guys, just posture yourself, position yourself to receive and to come into alignment with what, what God wants to do in your life. And um, so, so just before we turn in our Bibles to, I'm gonna go to 1 John chapter two, two verses, 15 and 16. I wanna teach y'all a little bit of Texan. Is that all right? Okay. How many know what a Texas Twinkie is? Do you know what a Texas Twinkie is? Y'all know what a jalapeno is, right? Like we have big old jalapenos in Texas. Okay, everything's big and old, I don't know why. Okay, big old means it's big. It's a big jalapeno about this big, stuffed with brisket, cheese, wrapped in bacon, and deep fried. That's a Texas Twinkie, totally keto. All right, okay. All right, one more thing. This may come in handy one day if you ever go to uh, Texas or the South in the United States. And by the way, Lynn mentioned we're fake Texans. We're from Canada. So <laughs> we're from Toronto, but anyway. Okay, so how many know that Texans say y'all, right? But do you know how to use y'all? Y'all know? Okay, there's two ways. There's y'all. And then there's all y'all. Okay, so let me give you a, a little bit of context here. All right, so we go into a cafe, and uh, <clears throat> there you are sitting. There's a group of you sitting around a table, and I walk up, and there's maybe two people out of the eight people that I recognize, and I walk up, and I just say, oh, good to see y'all. And then we chat a little bit, and then I look at everyone, and I say, and all y'all. Okay, so now you know how to use y'all and all y'all. All right, there you go. Okay, might come in handy one day. I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> Absolutely worthless, right? No, okay. First um, John chapter 2, 15 and 16. I wanna talk about the fatherhood of God. And I was really praying and asking the Lord what I should share. And, and there's just some things that he put in my spirit I believe that that is very important to the Lord in regards to what he's doing in the church right now. You know, Paul mentioned in 1 Corinthians 4, he talked about how he said there are many teachers, he said to the believers in Corinth, but he said, but really, he said, I'm your father. 
because I've begotten you through the gospel. And there's something the Lord is doing today that is moving the church back to the, really the New Testament pattern, the New Testament way of, of building the church, of being the church is probably a better way to put it. And part of that is the restoration of fathers. And fathers, um, in, in the sense of apostolic, there's also prophetic fathers, pastoral, I get that. But the whole thing about fatherhood is so important because we know that God is our, he's our father, right? So it's obviously very, very important. And even Jesus, you know, you shall call him, right? His, one of it is, is he'll be called father as well as prince of peace and so on. So everlasting father. So it's very important that we get this right. So two verses, this First um, John 2, 15 and 16, you may not have thought about it this way before, but I really believe a lot of what we're seeing in our world right now, the crisis with identity, um, people just feeling broken inside and, and not being able to find their way is rooted and grounded in this not really understanding and having that intimate relationship with our Father, our Heavenly Father. And of course, that implies uh, that we also need earthly fathers, spiritual fathers, natural fathers, all of the above. So listen to this. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Did you hear that? If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Wow. So think about this. He's not talking about the nice things in the world, you know, the beauty of, of, of the things God created, but he's talking about this fallen world system and what it offers to us that really is a cheap substitute. It's a knockoff for what the Father wants to make available to us. Because verse 16 says, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. It's not of the Father, but it's of the world. Now let me read it to you from another translation. So I really want you to, to get this this morning. Do not love this world, nor the things it offers you, for when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father. These are not from the Father, but from the world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. How important is a father? And I wanna just be very clear today. When I, when I speak about the importance of a father in the life of children, that I realize that there are many of us who, who don't have that. We, we don't have that. I grew up with a father who was gone a lot because of his job, working, and really um, we never connected at that level. So I know what it's like to grow up with, without a father. I know Lynn had the same thing. She was the oldest in her family and her dad left for another woman 
and uh, you know, left the kids, and so she grew up, even for years, without seeing him, no connection, really, that relationship wasn't there. But when you look at that in the natural, that's one thing, but there's been studies that have been done on how it affects sociologically, how it affects in relationships, and one of the studies that was done was by the Department of Justice, actually by the FBI in the year 2002, came up with the following. Listen to this. It said that 7,000 inmates were studied in, in the penal system, and it said that 39% of them lived in mother-only households. Approximately 46% of jail inmates had a previously incarcerated family member. One-fifth experienced a father in prison. Now think about that. When you go into a prison, true story, and here you are, and there's your fathers there too. I know many people in, in the United States in particular. That's, that's the reality. Their father, whom they really don't even know, actually is in the same prison they are. And that becomes a pattern. It just perpetuates itself, and, and it becomes more and more destructive. A similar study of 13,986 women in prison showed that more than half grew up without their father. 42% grew up in a single mother household, and 16% lived with neither parent. The National Center for Fathering gives us the following Information, 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. This is from the U.S. Department of Health. Five times the average. 90% of all homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes. 32 times the average. 85% of all children who show behavioral disorders come from fatherless homes. 20 times the average. This is from the Center for Disease Control in the United States. 80% of rapists with anger problems come from fatherless homes, 14 times the average. 71% of all high school dropouts come from fatherless homes, nine times the average. 75% of all adolescent patients in chemical abuse centers come from fatherless homes, 10 times the average. Wow. So I want you just to think about Jesus coming into the world. The Bible says he came at the fullness of time. He had a very specific mission and purpose for coming in the world. When you ask the average Christian, why did Jesus come? The response may be, well, he came to die on the cross so I could be forgiven and I could go to heaven one day. Or perhaps he came to Set the captive free. Luke 4, 18 and 19 speaks about that. Acts 10, 38 says that Jesus came and he went around doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil because he was anointed with the Holy Spirit and power. In 1 John 3, 8, for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Now, all of this is true and certainly is part of the reason why Christ Jesus came into the world. But there is something that is even more significant, and that is that he came 
to reveal the Father to a generation. He came to reveal the Father to a generation. Those who knew God as an austere God, you know, jokingly I say, uh, many of us know him not as God, the fa- not as, as, as Father God, but as, God, as the God Father. You know, like he said, I'm gonna make you an offer you can't refuse. And I'll break your leg, right? And so ultimately, a lot of us, we think about God that way. It's true. I mean, I was on a talk show in Canada that ran in the, in the wee hours of the morning, live talk show, and people were calling in from so many different religions and backgrounds, and we were talking about God being a father, and we referred to the word Abba. And this particular woman called in, she was incensed, she was upset. Her particular religion said this is almost equivalent to blasphemy to refer to God as Father. He's a holy God, he's a righteous God, he's a just God, he's a judge, and you would demean him to a caricature of a father? Even in her language, Abba was a word that was part of her language, but you would never use it in reference to God. And we were able to share with her, no, he is. Jesus came to reveal him as a father. And that term, Abba, of course, in in Aramaic, what it denotes is that place of intimacy of of a father. Certainly that does not negate all the other characteristics of who he is. He is holy. He is righteous. He is a judge. One day all men will stand before him and give account. All of that is true. But Jesus came to reveal him as father who loves his children, who wants to have a relationship with his children. It's an amazing thing. Jesus said, One time, don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it's the Father living in me who's doing his work. And anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? You're looking at him. He is everlasting Father. He is the one who came to reveal the Father. Hebrews 1.3, the Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Think about that. Jesus shows us who the Father is. Do you know him that way? Do you know him as a Father? I personally feel the key to seeing revival and breakthrough in our personal lives is all summed up in knowing God as Father. You see, that doesn't mean that he closes his eyes to the things that we do that are wrong. No, no, just as a good father disciplines his children, he disciplines us. But ultimately, he has our best interest in mind. 
He's not here to condemn us. He's not here to discard us. But he wants to see you step into that place where you become the best possible version of him as his son, as his daughter. His DNA is in you. You are a partaker of his nature is what the scriptures teach. God wants you to know him that way. So Jesus comes to show us the Father. Think about this. If the only reason why the Lord Jesus came was to die on the cross so we could be forgiven and have a place in heaven, then why didn't he kill us the moment we are born again? I mean, I want return on my investment. I don't know about you. And, and I'm like, hey, if I keep you on this earth, you're going to probably mess things up. You're going to probably do some things that really aren't good, and some of you may not even endure to the end. So I want to ensure that you are able to be with me in eternity, so boom, I'll take you out and close the deal. No. He has a reason and a purpose for keeping us here on the earth. That is that we would represent him. When you go back to Genesis chapter 1, you see very clearly that God made us in his image and likeness. And the Hebrew literally means that he created us to be like him so that we might reflect his image and likeness to others while we're here on the earth. It's a powerful thing so that ultimately what Paul is saying in Colossians and then in Ephesians, he says, for in Christ dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily, but then he's saying that in the church dwells the fullness of Christ. In other words, let's put it this way. When Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, Paul is saying in Ephesians, when you look at the church, you should see Jesus. Many have seen religion. They've been confronted with dogma and doctrine and legalism and told this is how you should live and don't do that and and you'll go to hell if, if you do that. And though all of these things may be true, that's not the heart of the Father. He's not willing that any should perish. He takes no delight in the death of the wicked. He wants everyone to come to know him, not just to experience some utopian bliss, but ultimately to know him in a personal relationship. Jesus said in Luke 19, verse 10, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Now, when you look at this in different English translations, you'll see that it's rendered, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save those that are lost. But when you really look at it there's something deeper. He's talking about the Abrahamic covenant because that's what he says to Zacchaeus. He's also a son of Abraham. And he's saying that there's something that God wants to restore and that literally goes back to that place 
of covenant. Uh, covenant is all about being one. It literally has to do with being on board, being one. So Jesus comes to restore that which was lost, not those that are lost, that which was lost. Going back to Genesis, what was lost, past tense. Well, the first thing was intimacy, oneness with the Father. Knowing him, having a relationship. In Genesis 3.8, it talks about how after Adam and Eve transgressed God's commandment, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the cool of the evening in the garden. Now, how is it that they were able to distinguish between the sound of the Lord God and maybe that perhaps of a tiger, of a bear, of a koala bear, a kangaroo, right? Because we are able to identify only that which we're familiar with. And in fact, when it says they heard the sound, in the original Hebrew, it's the word voice. They heard the voice of the Lord. You know, a child, a baby, just takes a few months, and that baby becomes familiar with the voice of its mother, father. And so they recognized, they perceived, and were able to identify the sound of God. Why? Evidently, this wasn't the first time that God rocked up in the garden. Evidently, there's a pattern here. This is something that had been going on for quite some time, and they were like, God's here, but this time it was different. This time they had sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, so they hid themselves. So Jesus comes to restore that which was lost. I love Daniel chapter 11, verse 32. I, I want you to, to please hear this. <clears throat> this is the new living. It says, speaking, speaking of this king, it says, he will flatter and win over those who violated the covenant. But the people who know their God will be strong and will resist him. Now, the King James, the new King James says, those that know their God shall be strong and do great exploits. Notice here, he will flatter and win over those who violated the covenant. Only those who violated the covenant. But those who know their God shall be strong. Know their God shall be strong. It's the Hebrew word yada. Yada is a word that speaks of intimacy. In the New Testament, the word in Greek is gnosko. In John 17, verse 3, Jesus said, and this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you've sent this is eternal life. What is eternal life? Is it pie in the sky in the sweet by and by? 
<laughs> is it one day I'll go to heaven and everything will be good? No. This is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you set. Jesus came to restore us to an intimate relationship where we know God personally, just like Genesis 3.8, where they knew and recognized the sound or the voice of the Lord God in the garden. Gnosko, yada, when Adam knew Eve and it says he knew her and she had children, that's the word yada. When after Jesus was born, Joseph knew Mary and she begot children, that's the word gnosko. It speaks of intimacy. There's a place of intimacy that the Lord wants to take us. Think about Jesus. When he was baptized, he came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. Verse 17 of Matthew 3 says this, that a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Jesus had not healed anyone. He had not preached a sermon. He had not cast out a demon. He had done nothing to earn his father's approval, but this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased because coming up to this point when he was 30 years of age, he had a relationship with his father. It was based on his relationship, not on performance. Now, later on, Jesus is on top of the mountain with the disciples. He's transfigured, and again, the voice comes out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Matthew 17, verse 5. Twice in the Gospels, we hear this. My beloved son, that's a powerful word. My beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. Do you know? that the Father thinks that about you? You're his beloved son. You are. He's the firstborn among many brothers. But we are his brothers. We are his children. John 5, 20, the Father loves the son, Jesus said, and shows him everything he is doing. Think about that. I went to a conference in Canada several years ago, and I was one of, the, one of the speakers. There was quite a few people there, and they gave us a name tag. Do you remember those name tags? They always peel off, and, right? So it says, hello, my name is, you're supposed to put your name there. So I wrote Father's Favorite Son. And people, you walk up to people, hello, shake their hand, and immediately their eyes go to the, to the name tag. They want to know your name, right? And it says, doesn't say Glenn. It says father's favorite son. People laugh, what's that about? I said, it's true. People look at you, oh, yeah, it's true. I am his favorite. So that day I proceed to preach a message 
out of the Gospel of John. And there's this statement that is repeated seven times in the Gospel of John, seven miracles in the Gospel of John, and we often uh, recognize those, but we miss this. Seven times we read the disciple whom Jesus loved. Now, y'all, and all y'all, who wrote the book of John? John, I'm the disciple whom Jesus loved, right? Arrogant. Now, no, he walked in a revelation of how beloved he was. And when you look at the final record of this statement, which is in the 21st chapter, the last chapter of John, it points you back to the occasion when Jesus is gathered with his disciples in the upper room. And it says that this disciple, this one John, whom Jesus loved, has his head on Jesus' chest. And we see this picture of him close, intimate with Jesus. Can you imagine putting your head on Jesus' chest, hearing the heartbeat of the Son of God? Guys, it changed him from a Boanerges, a son of thunder, to the disciple whom Jesus loved. Guys, this is a game changer. The enemy is a master manipulator. He wants to gaslight us. He wants us to think all these negative things about ourselves. And, and again, let me tell you something. I'm not excusing or advocating sin or rebellion. But what I am saying is that when you really recognize the love of the Father, you will come to a place where the love of the world just fades away. How can I settle for that when I have this? And how can I grieve him? And how can I do something that would hinder that fellowship, that intimacy? How can I violate the covenant when he loves me so much? And we come to that place where we do those things that always please him. Out of love. Not out of guilt. Not out of, well, if I don't do it, I won't get blessed. Or if I don't do the right thing, maybe I'll lose my job or my spouse will leave me or whatever, right? We come to that place where we recognize the love of the Father. I love Jesus' boldness. His good friend Lazarus is dead. He knew it was going to happen. He should have sent the pastoral care team out. But Lord, if you had been here or at least sent out the pastoral care team, you know, he'd be all right. But now he's dead. And here is Lazarus dead. It waits till the third day. The Jewish custom at that time, they believed that the spirit of a man would hover around a man for up until three days. But after three days, that spirit would depart and go back to God. 
So Jesus waiting till past three days was saying, this is impossible. This cannot happen in the natural, but I am the God of the impossible, and I am the God who can do all things, being led by his Father. His Father did not want just a sick person to be healed, but he wanted a dead man to be raised back to life again. And so Jesus shows up. Take away the stone, roll it back. But Lord, by this time he stinketh. I mean, you got to love the King James. Like, you cannot beat the King James for that one, right? Rigor mortis, he stinketh, right? So, and what ends up happening is Jesus says a prayer. It's a powerful prayer. He lifts up his eyes and he says, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I know that you always hear me, but because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Listen. Jesus has such confidence. What the Father shows me all things. The Father always hears me. The Father loves me, and he reveals to me all these things. Listen. God wants to reveal himself to you as a good, good father. He wants you to know him as a father. Guys, he's so good. I can tell you story after story after story. Friday night, we were ministering to Teen Challenge. I had a word of knowledge, just very simple word of knowledge. I said, there's one man here tonight, and you actually come from a Christian home. You know, you're not this bad dude. You, you come from a Christian home, and you have rebelled against God and you've done all sorts of bad things and you were raised in the church, involved in ministry, but you, you just can't let go of your shame. You're just so ashamed and this shame is actually repelling you away from the Father. The difference between condemnation and conviction. Conviction is yes, it was wrong, but come to me, my son, come to me. My daughter, condemnation is God will never receive you. What you've done is, is almost like blaspheming the Holy Spirit. God, come on now. And I said, the Father wants you to know tonight that he sees you. He knows you. Let go of this shame. Let go of this. Stop thinking that way. You're forgiven. Receive it and move forward. He's a good, good father. Remember preaching in America one time? And guys, there was, the Holy Spirit was moving powerfully. There's a young man there. He, he, was, he was from Miami, Florida. He was a gangbanger. And he had a gun on him, the whole deal. See when a guy goes out under the power of the Spirit and he grabs his gun and hands it to the usher? That's what you do in, in America. Here, take my gun. True story. And I come to him and I say, the Lord wants you to know how much he loves you. He's forgiven you. You're forgiven. And he looks at me and tears in his eyes. The anointing is all over him. And he shakes his head and he goes, 
how can he forgive me? I've killed so many people. And he falls out under the Holy Spirit. He's laid out on the ground, totally just covered with the glory of God, the love of the Father. So amazing. Guys, all the stuff the world offers, why are you struggling? Why are you being tantalized by that? Why is it so appealing? Because the love of the Father, you don't know it. If anyone loves the world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, because the love of the Father is not in him, get to know him. Get to know his love. Let him. It's not just the love for the Father. In, in Greek, it literally means the love of and for. So it's the love of God, first of all, because 1 John 4, 19 says, we love him because he first loved us. I want to receive that love. I want to know that love. I'm telling you, no matter what your background is, if you're stoic, if you've never been loved by an earthly father, if you've not had a good father, if your father, listen, we all come from backgrounds of brokenness our parents maybe our grandparents guys they did the best they could with what they knew but this is a new day where the revelation of the fatherhood of God is being restored to the church and God has set other fathers so my challenge is do you know the love of this father are you allowing him to father you? And if you're here today and you're a, a natural father, the importance of really just being that father. If you're a spiritual father, God bless you. A spiritual and a natural father, God bless you. What you do is so important, so important. And God is wanting us just to represent him. Be a father that is fathered by the Father of lights. Know his love. Will you just bow your head for a moment, please? I just want to ask you today, do you know this father, this good, good father? Jesus said when we pray, the first thing we're to say is our father who art in heaven. Do you know him? Do you really know? know him he wants you to know him maybe you're here today and you've never really surrendered your life to Jesus Christ you've never given your life you've never believed in the gospel you you're still in the world and you've not know you don't know his great forgiveness and you don't have this relationship with the father that I've spoken about today if that's you if that's you I would love to see you come into the reality of this relationship and I would love to pray for you just before you leave today is there anyone here you would say yes I need to know him as my father I need to know him I need salvation I need to be born again you just say I don't even know what that means I just know that I need to get right with God that's something happening in your heart that's good if you're just there and you say yeah that's me just raise your hand quickly I want to pray for you before you leave. If there's anyone in the house, bless you. If you're here, 
and you're just saying, look, I feel such a drawing to know God intimately as a father. I want to just invite you to just come and stand at the front. I want to just pray for you before you leave today that you will have a fresh encounter with his presence and knowing him as God, your father, as God, your father, Abba, father, daddy, God, however you want to put it. If that's you, let's all stand together, please. You just say, yeah, today I want to leave this place knowing it. Listen, the Bible says faith works by love. Guys, when we know how much he loves us, we have faith to believe that he gives good gifts. Amen. If that's you, just come right now. Just stand. I want to just pray for you before you leave. Yeah, just come. Yeah, I want to know him as God, my father. Just come this morning. Just stand here. I'm going to come and pray with you and just minister to you to know him that way, to know him personally to know him powerfully you need an encounter you need a miracle in your life it comes through knowing him just just come guys just come this morning to receive god's pulling in the strings of your heart just come just take a few moments before we leave
in here today and uh, many of our family know my story even when I was at Bible college I was still dealing with issues and uh, hurting pain because of echoes from my past just voices but it came to the time where and it really does take an encounter a moment with God you know my story when I went down to the beach with a guitar and a Bible stayed there for a couple of days and just had an encounter with Jesus and he came in that moment and said I know where you've been I know what you've done but I'm still your dad it's like our natural kids when our natural kids come and they push their door open sheepishly and they limp in and, Dad, can I talk to you for a minute? Whenever Travis comes and says, Dad, I need to see you, I go, oh, what's the boy want? It's nothing because it's just a dad. It's our heart. We want to be there for them. And no matter what they say when they sit down with you, as much pain as it's probably to them to share whatever and he's never done that 
It doesn't change our position and posture towards Him. We love Him. Love our kids. And uh, I believe on Pastor Glenn and he carries on his life. This young man you were telling about Friday night comes from a Christian home, Christian family, and spoke it out. And these young men came and lined up a tea challenge. And one by one just started to weep. And he walks up and he says, are you the man, young man, big tall guy, six foot two? And 20 odd years old, he said, yeah. And he was just broken, just broken. And we hugged him, we prayed for him because the father's heart touched him. This is Father's Day, his day. And uh, I'm just so thankful for the word. Can we honor Pastor Glenn today for that word? Love your ministry, love your heart, love your ministry, love you both. Wish you could stay another week. <laughs> Let's make a declaration. You will be back. You will be back. You will be back. <laughs> Fathers, we love you. We honor you today for the role that you hold, for the responsibilities that you carry and for the life you live. We are here together with you. We stand with you. We support you. We encourage you. And may you feel the love of your family and loved ones today as you go. And may the Lord bless you and may his face smile upon you. And amen. Amen.